Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, December 23rd, 2012. We have a great show lined up for you here today. This show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. That's 4 to 6 p.m. Central. Today on What on Earth is Happening, we're going to be continuing to talk about the inherent natural right of self-defense against violence, something that has been coming under increasing attack in the media because of the tragic school shooting that just occurred in Connecticut. And we cannot allow emotional mind control to be used against us as a technique of manipulation because when such tragic events occur, automatically we're in reactive mode. And we're not thinking clearly about what is one of our rights that usurpers want to get us to surrender to them so that they can gain more control over us. And that's what this is actually all about. Whether it's an orchestrated event or whether it's something that just happened, the dominators always are there to take advantage of the situation and to try to turn it into their favor. That's what the dialectic is all about. Never let a good crisis go to waste, as they say. And uh, that's what they're playing off of, that emotion. This is a technique of manipulation that I have referred to as heart control. We hear a lot about mind control, but not heart control, which is playing off the emotions. And that's exactly what that's about. So we're going to be continuing to talk about this on the show today. I have a few event announcements before we get into that topic. First, of course, the Free Your Mind 2 conference coming up here in the city of Philadelphia, April 25th, 26th, and 27th here in Philadelphia. And um, just an incredible lineup of speakers that we have planned for this year at the Free Your Mind 2 conference, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. The location is the beautiful Arch Street Meeting House here in Philadelphia at 320 Arch Street. 
The doors open at 8 o'clock a.m. each day. And the featured speakers include Alan Steinfeld, Alfred Weber, Andrew Bashago, Ben Stewart, Bob Tuscan, Kathy O'Brien, Curtis Davis, Dr. Dream, Freighter X, Freeman Fly, Jan Irvin, Jay Parker, Jim Fetzer, Larkin Rose, Laura Eisenhower, Lennon Honor, Lorraine Moray, myself, Mark Passio, Mark Phillips, Marty Leeds, Randall Carlson, Ross Ben, and Sonia Barrett. And ladies and gentlemen, I can now confirm we've received verbal confirmation just added to the Free Your Mind 2 uh, list of speakers, Fritz Springmeier. I don't have his bio up on the website yet. That'll be coming in the next few days. But Fritz Springmeier has verbally confirmed to be part of the Free Your Mind 2 conference. It is great to have him on board. Uh, just uh, adding to the tremendous lineup of speakers. Advanced ticket prices for the Thursday conference, $30. For the Thursday meet and greet featuring um, a vegetarian meal uh, and afterwards a conference featuring the Divine Hand Ensemble, $20. For the Friday conference, $40. For the Saturday conference, $40. For all three days plus the speaker meet and greet and concert, $120. For speaker and ticket information, please visit the conference website, freeyourmindconference.com. Hand in hand with the Freedom Mind Conference, we are planning a Money Bomb Radio Marathon fundraiser. And this is going to be held on Sunday, January 13th, 2013 on AmericanFreedomRadio.com, hosted by Freeman and Freighter X, two speakers from the conference, and they'll be interviewing uh, various speakers from the conference as guests on the Radio Marathon. This is going to be taking place Sunday, January 13th from noon to midnight central time. That's uh, I inaccurately reported that last week. I said it was Eastern time. It's noon to midnight central time. That's 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern time. Okay. And uh, th this has been posted on both the whatonearthishappening.com news section and the Free Your Mind Conference webpage. Uh, and you could also take a look at the poster by clicking image number two uh, underneath the radio show uh, player on the whatonearthishappening.com radio show page or with this podcast. So the Free Your Mind 2 Conference Money Bomb Radio Marathon, Sunday, January 13th, noon to midnight central time on American Freedom Radio, hosted by Freeman and Freighter X. Don't miss it. Uh, use this opportunity to learn more about the upcoming conference and to uh, help the effort of bringing in all of these out-of-town speakers by making a donation to the Free Your Mind 2 event. I will be speaking at the Why Tesla Matters conference. This is a Tesla memorial conference taking place on January 5th, 6th, and 7th, 2013 at the New Yorker Hotel, 481 8th Street, New York, New York. I'll be speaking on Sunday, January 6th. And this is going to be a great conference about Tesla's legacy. It is being held on the anniversary of his death. Tesla passed on January 7th, 1943. So um, I'll be speaking Sunday, January 6th. For more information on this great conference hosted by the Tesla Science Foundation, please visit teslasciencefoundation.org. 
the free monthly documentary screening and discussion night hosted by Truth, Freedom, Prosperity will take place this Thursday, December 27th, here in Philadelphia at Essene Food Market and Cafe at 719 South 4th Street. The uh, free documentary screenings hosted by TFP always take place on the last Thursday of every month at Essene Food Market. This month's film for December 27th will be Innocence Betrayed, a documentary by Claire Wolf which demonstrates how gun control has been historically used to disarm citizens and make them helpless before governments commit genocide. Dramatically covers major genocides in the Soviet Union, Germany, Uganda, Rwanda, China, Turkey, and other countries. It shows how gun control in the United States has been used to victimize minority groups and erode civil liberties. I could not agree more. And... Uh, that This is very synchronistic that I chose this film on December 13th, the night before the tragic shooting in uh, Connecticut. So very uh, synchronistic timing happening there because I've been hammering on this whole topic of the inherent right to defend oneself against violence, which more people need to understand as an inherent natural right. And uh, just amazing that an event like this would pop up into the world uh, just as I'm covering uh, these to such topics. Synchronistic, to be sure. Okay, I was interviewed as the featured activist at the last uh, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity Live event, TFP Live, hosted by Mike Salvi and Truth, Freedom, Prosperity. This happened on the big... Mayan calendar end date of December 21st, 2012, a couple of days ago on Friday. And, uh, you know, while the entire event was a non-event, we uh, reached a lot of, not, not the TFP live event, the Mayan calendar end date, which, you know, I fully expected that that day itself would not really bring anything uh, cataclysmic or catastrophic to the world. Like I said, the whole 2012 prophecy in general, I've always seen as a window of opportunity to elevate consciousness and get ourselves out of this situation of slavery that we exist in here on earth or to reject truth and go into an even worse place than we're already at. Uh, it's a window of opportunity. It is a, uh, it is a choice point in time that doesn't exist on one day, but it's uh, a period of time. Okay. So while nothing occurred uh, worldwide on the famed Mayan calendar end date, we did get a lot of good information out to people that came out to TFP Live. So I'll be putting the uh, video of the interview up on my website shortly, but in the meantime, if you go to tfplive.com, you can uh, see that on that website as part of uh, the Mike Salvi's World uh, website. TFP Live is a subsection within there. But you can reach the TFP Live section of Mike Salvi's world by just visiting tfplive.com. And the first video that's posted there right now is um, uh, a video of the past TFP Live that just took place this Friday where I was interviewed. You'll have to skip ahead uh, uh, at least an hour or so to get to my interview. But it is it is in there. So I think Mike said that he was going to be making a uh, uh, um clipped version with just my interview. So I'll be posting that to the website when he gets that over to me. 
the ad-free chip-in for the What on Earth is Happening radio show to keep the show commercial-free during the two hours that it is on the air currently stands at $700. Thank you so much to everyone who has donated to this effort. Uh, you guys have been doing a great job. Continue the good work, and we need to raise only 300 more by January 31st to keep the show ad-free through February, March, and April. Also on the website, you'll see a general support donation button. Uh, if people have found the work that I've been doing valuable and uh, feel that they want to make a voluntary contribution to help me continue this work, please uh, feel free to click on the uh, general support donation button and make a contribution. Okay, that having been said, let's get into the topic here today. What I want to do at the top of the show is give the call-in number for the show because I want to have people in the queue because I'm going to be taking calls during the second hour. So the call-in number for the show is 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number, 866-841-1065, the toll-free number to join us. We are talking about, we are continuing to talk about the inherent right of self-defense and how this has a long history, especially in the United States. This is something that the founders of the United States wanted people to deeply understand, and they wanted them never to lose sight of it. They wanted them to grasp this concept fully, to grasp the understanding of this inherent right fully. And last week, you know, I said we were going to review some of the things about natural law like force versus violence and the Second Amendment. I didn't really get into that to the extent that I wanted to because uh, I kind of went off on a tangent about all of the people who were calling for gun grabs at this time in a completely emotionally driven mind state in which they're not really thinking clearly and they're just listening to the suggestions of the state that is always going to propose the, the solution, quote unquote, uh, to any problem, any given problem or set of problems that leads to the greater amount of control over the populace uh, for the state, of course. But there's a language barrier in place. And another thing we have to really keep sight of is when we're talking about our inherent rights, we can't get caught in semantics and start splitting hairs. We need to just... Um, speak very plainly and clearly about right versus wrong. That's all this is ultimately about, ladies and gentlemen. And anybody that's claiming that they have a right to disarm somebody and make them a helpless victim is wrong, period, the end. That's all you really need to understand about gun rights or gun control. That gun control is people control. It's not about guns, it's about control. And if you take away someone's right to defend themselves, you're leaving them as a helpless victim that really has no option to do anything except lay down and beg for mercy. Guns are an equalizing force in society. And again, I am someone who advocates 100% fully the non-aggression principle. I'm telling people violence is the entire problem of the world, that there should not be violence, that Anybody who's conducting violence is in the moral wrong and should be dealt with. That's what I've been telling people. You know, we don't have a right ever to use violence. 
So I don't know where people come off with the idea that somehow gun ownership is connected with violence. That's a state of mind that exists in each individual. It has nothing to do with the ownership of a gun. People will acquire a gun for many different purposes. Those who really understand what guns are for, the, their primary usage, as opposed to their ancillary usages, which I did talk a bit on last week, the primary usage of gun, of any gun, is for defense of freedom when tyranny is encroaching. That's the primary use of a gun, to keep your freedom and the ancillary or supportive usages of guns are, yes, for protection on the street when walking in open territory against maybe just the average citizen psychopath, okay, uh, not the government psychopaths. And then the uh, other secondary reason is for defense within your home against the average citizen psychopath. But that doesn't mean that those are the primary usages. Again, those are ancillary usages. The primary usage of any arms is for the defense of your freedom when a psychopath calling themselves, a group of psychopaths calling themselves government are coming to take your freedom away when they have no right to do so. That's what guns are for. And people say, well, what do you need a battle rifle in your house for? Why? Because the government has them. That's the answer. Plain and simply. The answer of why anybody needs battle rifles is because the government has battle rifles. Okay? If you don't understand that, you're a naive fool. That if they have better weaponry than you, there's going to be tyranny. And they do. That's why there's tyranny now. And to give up more defensive use defensive capability through giving up guns is just plain stupid. And it means you don't understand your rights, you don't understand the primary usages of guns, and you certainly don't understand the principle of self-defense when violence is being conducted against you. I, I tell people I am 100% for peace. I am peace-filled. I am filled with the spirit of peace because I live my life in the non-aggression principle of being. I do not ingress against other people's free will. I am not a dominator. I don't tell people what they can and cannot do, so long as they are not hurting me or anyone else. Once you initiate force, coercive force, that's violence. Initiation of coercive force. That's called violence. No one has that right. I am for nonviolence. Does that mean I am a pacifist? Absolutely not. I think pacifism is a totally loathsome ideology that is also morally wrong. Now, how could I just make the statement, I'm totally for peace and consider that I am filled with the spirit of peace, and yet I consider the ideology of pacifism loathsome and morally wrong? Well, very simply, pacifism is different than Nonviolence. Pacifism is different than the non aggression principle combined hand in hand with the self defense principle. Pacifism is the ideology, is an, a right brained imbalanced ideology. Chronic right brain imbalance is where 
the ideology of pacifism comes from. And notice I do not call it a philosophy because it is not the love of wisdom. A pacifist doesn't have any wisdom. A pacifist is self-loathing because they will sit and take violence when it is being done to them and not respond with defensive use of force. Even if they tell the person you have no right to do this, you can give them that chance to, to back off. You don't have this right. I don't wish this to be happening to me. You're hurting me. Stop. I'll even go so far as to say, try that first. Sure. But if they don't stop and you st sit there and continue to take abuse, ultimately at some level of consciousness, that means you hate yourself. Quite simply, quite plainly, you have to have self-loathing within you to continue to, to act that way. You have to believe somehow that that person has the right to continue what they are doing. And I find that morally wrong. I think that's not a right to sit there and not defend the self. Even if it is just the lowercase s self. Because by doing a disservice to that lowercase s self, by letting people usurp your natural rights in this world, do violence against the body when you don't wish it being done, you're ultimately doing disservice to the higher S self, the true self, the soul, and the spirit, if you will. And I don't see anything right in that. This is why we need to understand both the non-aggression principle and the principle or the inherent right that exists in nature to defend oneself against violence. So we talked about the Second Amendment and how the people who founded this country and attempted, attempted to put this understanding into the populace were very unambiguous about it. People think, oh, there's all these interpretations and reading into, quote unquote, reading into the Second Amendment. There is no reading into the Second Amendment, ladies and gentlemen. If you think there's reading into it, you don't know what you're talking about. There is no interpretation of it. Now, not to say that this is somehow God's word or anything like that. It's not the law of nature. It's not natural law. It's not cosmic spiritual law. It's common sense is what it is. Pure and simple. And instead of trying to read into it and interpret it, I have you know, put forward the radically crazy notion that maybe we should just go to the words of the people who actually wrote it. Wouldn't that be something? If you want to know what they meant, why not ask the people who wrote it? Why not look at their writings? And they were totally, completely unambiguous about what they meant by it. See, it's a mind control tactic to tell people, well, it's open to interpretation. No, it's not open to interpretation. You're wrong. You're, not, you're wrong and stupid if that's what you think. The Second Amendment is not open to interpretation. Very specific, clear, clear, 
unambiguous concepts were laid down in that that the founders of this country intended and were not ambiguous about in the slightest bit. And their words will tell you how they were not ambiguous about it. The problem is there's a language barrier. Here, here's where the, the complications of human language come into play. Because they spoke a little bit differently in their colloquial form of language, meaning the, the, the way that they spoke language on a day-to-day -day basis every day, colloquial usage of language. And they wrote the same way. People tend to write how they speak colloquially. Therefore, there's this language barrier. And people say, well, it, it was English then, it's English now. That is true, but colloquial English is not the same today as it was in the late 1700s. The, herein lies the problem. They, they had different sentence structure and grammatical constructs in general. They, they used words in a different structure than we use them today. Yes, they have the same words because it's the same English language, but again, the colloquial usage and the way that they wrote is slightly different than the way we speak and write today. And therefore, because of this divide in language from colonial English and early American English up through modern English, we believe that, erroneously believe, many, many people today, that there is somehow... Uh, a way that the Second Amendment can be interpreted through modern language and through misunderstandings of their form of colloquial English. And therefore, somehow it can be interpreted completely different than as the founders intended it. The actual writers of the Second Amendment as well intended it. So I made this slide a few week, weeks back to help people understand the difference how the Second Amendment appears in the Constitution as it was written by um, James Madison and George Mason, it said, quote, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed, period. And because of the sentence structure and the usages of commas in there and the way that it is, is stated, people feel that that's somehow open to interpretation. <clears throat> I've tried to explain to people that we might write this amendment slightly different in modern colloquial English if we were to write it today. We might say, quote, since a well-regulated militia is necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, period, end quote. It becomes much less ambiguous if we write it in modern colloquial English. People can make the connection because of the way it's written that the well-regulated militia that is being talked about is indeed the people. Because if it wasn't, why would you say then the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed? See, these two... These two phrases cannot be separated from each other and taken out of context. They're together. So then you have to understand, well, then what 
is meant by the militia? What did the founders, the writers of the Second Amendment actually mean by the militia? And people think that they, that they can read their own interpretation into this. I swear, if I hear another moron saying that the word militia meant colonial militias back around the, the time that the Constitution was written, uh, the, the, they're imbeciles. They're complete morons. That's not what the word militia meant. It, doesn't, it didn't mean that then, and it doesn't mean that today. And they think because mo the state militia in whatever state happened to have been dissolved, the official state militia was dissolved in the past, that, that means the militia doesn't exist anymore. And again, they're wrong. They have no long view of history. They don't understand anything that the founders of this country were trying to, Im to embed into people's mind. And they warned them over and over and over, don't let these ideas be lost, understand them well, and we didn't heed their words. And that's why you have a bunch of socialist-educated idiots out there today who actually believe the crap that they're taught in the indoctrination system called public schooling. That there's somehow interpretation that can be applied to the Second Amendment when there is no such thing. The word militia was very, very, very clearly defined by, wow, magically, the people who wrote the Second Amendment. Imagine that, that you need to go no further than the people who actually wrote it. George Mason, James Madison, and they would be all too happy to tell you and did tell you and did leave it to posterity in their writings what was the militia. And I quoted, I had a quote and it's also up this week on the image section, image number five, by James Madison, co-author of the Second Amendment, what is the militia? It is the whole people, which is why the phrase that follows since a well-regulated militia is necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It's because the militia is all of the people. That's simply what it is. It is all people that are capable of brandishing arms. That's it. Of using arms for their self-defense. That is who the militia is. And if you think that it's not, you're wrong. That's it. You're incorrect. That is what it actually is. It is not some sub-entity of government. It is not some paramilitary group. It is the people. That's it. You are the militia. If you can pick up a weapon, aim it, fire it, you're the militia. Surprise! Most people don't know that because they've been lied to and misled and told that this is something that existed 200 and some odd years ago and it doesn't exist today. Wrong. You're incorrect. That's a lie. That's a deliberate obfuscation or, quite frankly, just a lie. George Mason, the, one of the people who wrote the Second Amendment, said, what is the militia? It is the whole people. To disarm the people is the best and most effectual way to enslave them. To disarm the people is the best and most effectual way to enslave them. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to know if anyone can call in and, and propose how you could be 
more unambiguous, please make a suggestion to me. Because I can't see how it could possibly be less ambiguous. There's no statement that is less ambiguous than that. That's about as unambiguous as it gets. You cannot confuse that meaning with that statement. What is the militia? It is the whole people. And if you take arms away from the people, you're going to end up with an enslaved populace. And if you want to see from a long historical point of view how that process has traditionally come about, and only in really modern examples. I mean, you can go back even farther into the ancient world and see any time that uh, a, a t tyranny was coming in, they tried to take away whatever arms were available to the people of that day. This has been going on for thousands of years, the same tactic. You want to oppress people and make them your slaves. Well, they can't have weapons to defend themselves against your aggression, your violence. It only makes common sense which is unfortunately what morons who've been indoctrinated don't have. Because they're state worshipers. They are the worshipers of violence. They don't understand that the state is violence. That it's not free will, it's violence. It's the initiation of coercive force against free will. That's what government is. And there's only two kind of people. You either believe in the non-aggression principle and a truly free society in which there are no rulers and there are no master-slave relationships, or you are what I now call, I don't even like the term statist. I, I want to call the people who believe in the violence ideology, it, it's not a principle, it's not a philosophy, it's an ideology, those who believe in the right to violence, okay, the violence ideology, the erroneous violence ideology, okay? I, I want to start calling them archonists because that's what they really are. There's anarchists and there's archonists. And I think that really explains the dichotomy even better than saying statists because most people don't even grasp what that is. And I understand, well, you're using an even less used word, an archonist. What, what, what the hell is that? Most people will say. But see, it makes that distinction in the, the etymological root of the, the language, of the word. The word archon is where we get the word anarchy, archon. Archon means ruler, master. Master over a slave. A ruler over a subject. That's what archon means in Greek. I mean, you don't even take my word for it. Go get a Greek dictionary. Go look up Greek translations online. Type in the word archon, A-R-C-H-O-N. It means master or ruler. Meaning one who has slaves or subjects. And an anarchist is one that inherently rejects a master-slave relationship. It does not mean chaos. Anybody that thinks that, you don't know the meaning of the word. You've been conditioned through mind control tactics of repetition and obfuscation. Repeating the same thing, the, repeating the same lie over and over again. 
anarchy means chaos. Anarchy means chaos. No, it does not. That's just the rep, the repetitive lie that you've been fed since the day you were born to get you to accept a totally contradictory definition of a term when that word absolutely has nothing to do with chaos. Anarchy does not equal chaos. Anarchy equals the absence of masters or rulers. The word anarchy comes from Greek. The prefix a or an in Greek means the absence of or the negation of. And again, don't take my word. Look it up. If you tack on a or an in front of a word in Greek, it therefore makes it its negative or its opposite or meaning the absence of. In other words, this thing not being present. The second part of the word anarchy comes from the Greek word archon, which I just told you meant master or ruler. So if you put them together, an archon, anarchy means the state of there being the absence of masters. There is no master-slave relationship because there is no master. There is no ruler. It doesn't mean no rules. There are always rules present in nature. Natural law. The cosmic spiritual laws of creation that govern the consequences of behavior are always in place and can never be escaped. You can never... Be free of that law. You are a subject to that because you are in the universe. You are a subject of moral law. That is the only master that there is. We have chaos because we're breaking that law, which is about morality and not committing violence against others, not usurping others' rights. That's why we have chaos. If we had true anarchy, no one would believe in the inherent right of a master to own a slave or a subject. They would reject that outright. Because they would understand all anarchy is, is the condition where there are no masters present. Now, if you write on a piece of paper and you do a sociological experiment with somebody who's not very aware and hasn't studied language and hasn't studied history and isn't truly awake, you know, write down on a piece of paper, no masters, no rulers. Do this. Actually do this. Don't just listen to me say it. When the show is over, go and take a piece of paper, find a person who's asleep. I'm sure there's, you know, that's an easy thing to do regardless of where you're at. There's tons of them around. Okay. Write down on a piece of paper, no masters, comma, no rulers. And ask the person, flip that piece of paper over and write the first word that comes to your mind. Word association. First word that pops into your head that comes to mind when you read this phrase can only be one word. And I will almost guarantee you 99.999% of people, there might be one statistical anomaly here or there, but I guarantee you almost 100% of people are going to write down the word freedom. Almost 100%. And you just handed them a piece of paper with the definition of the word anarchy on it. 
That is the definition of the word anarchy. No masters, no rulers. And they'll tell you that it means freedom. Very quickly, they'll write it down. I will guarantee it. You want to know why I can guarantee it? I've done it many times. And invariably, not one person I've ever done it with has written down any other word except freedom on the back of that paper. 100% of the time I've ever done this experiment with human beings, they have written down the word freedom on the back of that piece of paper. And what they don't understand is they just wrote down the word freedom as being equivalent to the word anarchy. But, 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 here's the but, this is how you know they're under mind control. You give them a piece of paper with the word anarchy written on it, and again, I'll give you a statistical average probably, I would say 99.5% are going to write down the word chaos. And again, I've done this and I have gotten occasionally a different response when you write down anarchy and you say you can only respond with one word. That's the key. No phrases, no sentences. Don't try to write a definition down. It's a word association game. Anarchy and then give me the word that first pops into your head. And 99.5% are going to write down the word chaos. Guaranteed. Again, do it. I'd, I'd like to hear people. How about this? Here's a great, here's a great uh, social experiment. How about next week we open up the phone lines for everybody who has done this social experiment and you give me your results. You report your results on the air. And tell me about the people's reactions when you tried to educate them about what the word really means. Because they have been conditioned and brainwashed into thinking that the state of no rulers and no masters called anarchy means chaos. Because that's exactly what archons want you to think it means. A master or a ruler wants his subjects to think there would be chaos if he wasn't ruling them anymore. That's why they've put this word obfuscation into the mindset of the people and tried to convince them to believe that's anarchy. Look at that bad behavior. That's anarchy. No, that's called violence. Violence is not anarchy. Violence is when there is this erroneous belief of authority and therefore you have rulership over somebody, which is the coercion of their free will which is the definition of violence. So, I propose we start using the term archonists, which has much less ambiguity than the, the term statist. Because then you have to get into the whole concept of, are you, you know, does the person even understand that the state is violence? that that's the definition of what statism is. And most of them don't understand that. Maybe we can get them to a better understanding of just the claim of rulership over them as a subject and a slave. If we use, start using the term archons, archon, are you an archonist or an anarchist? There's no in-between. Either you believe that we have inherent, either you know that we have Inherent sovereignty, that we are not the subjects or slaves of any other man, woman, or group of men and women. 
or you advocate the violence ideology at some degree or another. There is no in-between, folks. There's no real gradations of government. Either you're an anarchist or you are an archonist. Either you know that we're already inherently free and sovereign and you don't and you advocate the non-aggression principle of non-violence or you are an archonist that advocates violence and the erroneous notion of the authority in man and some some subset of humanity's right to rule and the vast bulk of humanity having some sort of a moral obligation to obey their commands. That's archonism, otherwise known as statism. There's really no in-between. All it is is shades of violence. You could call it that. But you're still advocating violence. And that's for minarchists, constitutionalists, and otherwise. If you advocate government, you advocate violence because they're equivalent. Government is violence. It's the claim of authority and other people being your subject under your jurisdiction. You're their master. You can dictate arbitrary commands called laws and other people have a moral obligation to obey it. And if you think that, you're wrong. You are wrong. You are advocating wrongness, wrongdoing. That's why you're incorrect. See, when you're incorrect, it leads to violence. It leads to wrongdoing. That's why it's important to understand the difference between right and wrong and the difference between truth and falsehood. Because when we believe in falsehoods like authority, invariably wrong is going to be done because we've accepted that into our worldview. That's why we have to be right or correct. We have to know the truth. Not believe in anything. Know the truth. Again, for people who happen to come at this even from a religious perspective, and I I gave a quote from Jesus about last week from the New Testament, the book of Matthew, uh, how he didn't come to bring peace. He came to stir things up here because this world needs stirring up and to turn people against each other, actually. Those who were for the truth and those who were for the violence ideology. And again, that doesn't mean that I accept Jesus as a historical figure. I understand astrotheology. You know, people write and say, oh, you do understand, you know, Jesus was a, a, you know, a fiction. It doesn't matter, folks. I get the philosophy of the words. That's what's important. You want to split hairs about whether somebody existed or not, and that's what you want to make your whole, you know, energy spent toward. Go ahead. I think that's useless. If there's wisdom in something, then I'm going to follow it. I'm going to put my energy behind that. I follow where the truth leads. That's the only thing I follow. I'm not a follower, except of the truth. I don't follow anything that goes on in this world. I follow the truth, which exists inherently and independently of anything that's going on in this world. The truth is simply that which is. It doesn't change. Things that take place in this world, this is the place of all change. 
But that doesn't mean we can't understand truth and put it into practice in our lives. It means it's not inherent to physical circumstances or conditions here. It exists completely independently. It exists inherently in and of itself, regardless of what happens to be taking place. So that's the force I follow, the force of truth, which leads to the expansion of consciousness, which is love. That's why truth comes first in the equation, truth, love, freedom. The true great work, the threefold great work, the three in one. Truth has to come first because your actions have to be based on correctness, rightness. You have to understand what natural law is and get it right. And then base your actions on that. Then you're acting in harmony with truth. Then that is the expression of love. To actually do that work is the expression of love. To put it into action. That's doing the will. Capital W. And then the expression or the result will be freedom. True freedom. Capital F. It's a progression. You can't take it out of order. Just like you can't take the trivium out of order, you can't take the great work steps out of order. Truth, love, freedom. Love doesn't come first. Truth comes first. The acceptance of truth is the expression of love. And then the manifestation is freedom. So going back to the concept that either you're an anarchist or a Archonist. Either you accept the non-aggression principle and sovereignty, or you believe in master-slave relationships and violence to keep it that way. There is no in-between. Get out of the head cage, folks, of thinking that there are gradations when it comes to this. There's not. It's all one way. The truth is all one way. It's extremity. People will say, Mark, you're an extremist. Yes, I'm an extremist. Because the truth is extreme. You need to get out of all of the mind control. If you still believe in any amount of government, you're under mind control. You're still in the head cage to a degree. You may be in less of it if you believe in minarchy or, you know, constitutional republic than people who advocate, you know, Socialism or communism or fascism or other forms of oppressive government regimes, but you're still in the head cage. You're still under mind control. Go all the way, folks. This is why I keep repeating the, the phrase of wisdom given by the Buddha, Siddhartha, Siddhartha Gautama. And again, whether you believe this is a physical, historical being or not, that's not relevant here. Again, I get what astrotheology is. I talked about it enough on my show. I think I understand it pretty extensively, actually. We're not splitting hairs. We're talking about the, the wisdom, the idea here, the philosophy. He said there's only two mistakes you can make on the path to truth, not starting and not going all the way. For those who are already on the path, don't make the mistake of stopping and setting up your tent halfway up the mountain. Go all the way to the peak, all the way to the summit. You'll get a better view from up there. Trust me. Don't trust me. Just do it, actually. 
Just go all the way. You'll see the truth as it really is, the world as it really is from that peak, that summit. So again, all of these statists, these archonists, these ones who want to advocate the continuation of master-slave relationships, basically they are advocating slavery. If you advocate for the continuance of government, you are an advocate of human slavery. This is what people don't understand. And they want to say, that's an extreme point of view. It is absolutely a sh an extreme point of view. It's a point of view from having gone all the way in consciousness. Not looking at it from a distorted lens of mind control. Go all the way to get out of the mind control and you will understand all government is inherently illegitimate because it is based in violence. Is there a right to conduct violence? No, there is not. So all forms of government are inherently illegitimate when it comes to moral law. The right to rule does not exist in nature. The moral obligation to obey a ruler and their arbitrary dictates does not exist in nature. No one has that moral obligation. You have only a moral obligation to follow the moral law. To follow conscience, common sense of what is right because it does not cause harm to another and what is wrong because it does cause harm to another. That's what you have a moral oblig obligation to obey. And again, that means that those are the rules. Natural law is the rules. Cosmic spiritual law. They're always the rules. They're always in place. Anarchy is not the absence of rules. Anarchy is the absence of rulers. Understand the distinction. It means there are no masters and no slaves here. We don't have that state. That's why we have slavery. Because we don't have anarchy. Externally. Again, we can flip it over and look at the internal world within a person. That's where there needs to be rulership. That's where you need to be the archon. Within. Not externally without trying to rule someone else. You need to rule the kingdom of the self, the kingdom of one. That's what you need to rule. We need seven billion monarchies. Mon, one, archon, ruler. Mon, archon, from Greek roots, meaning one ruler. Well, if there's one ruler... Internally, you are ruling your own house. You are ruling your own kingdom that exists within you. You are ruling your consciousness. You are ruling your thoughts, your emotions, your actions. It's called self-control. The only form of control that is real. One ruler. That's the kind of archon I want to see. Self-archons. Not archons who are trying to control others. That's external archon. Archonism. Okay? Internal, being the internal archon means you are a self-ruler. 
you govern the self, which is the only form of governing of control that is real, self-control. Meaning you control your thoughts, your emotions, and actions such that you live in the non-aggression principle, do not commit initiatory violence, initiatory force against others without the right to do so. You never have the right to initiate force against others. Do you have a right to defend, to use violence, once, to use force once violence has been conducted against you? Yes, you do. That's retaliatory, defensive, retaliatory. You are responding to something that has already been conducted against you. See, when again, when someone tries to take someone's right to walk unaccosted on the street and to keep their property, okay? I have my wallet in, in my pocket. That's my property. Whatever is in there is my property. I'm walking down the street. My body is my property. I have the inherent right to keep that property safe and protected and not have it be accosted and put under threat and jeopardy by another person who is going to initiate violence against my will. If I respond to that act of violence when someone comes up, holds a weapon up to me and says, give me your, your wallet, and I respond to it by taking a gun out of my other pocket and putting a bullet through their head, I did not just commit any violence, folks. That's what you have to understand. Defensive force was used, but that is not violence. We'll pick this up on the other side of the station break. We'll be right back. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Don't go anywhere. Okay, we're back. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're talking about the inherent right to defend oneself against violence and how that should never be even attempted to be taken away from anybody. Here on the show today, I uh, ended the last um, part of the show by talking about if you respond to violence with force that's an inherent right you don't have to make that choice you can make a different choice you could sit there and take it you could ask the person to stop but we have to understand that the right is still there to respond with force if that's what we choose to do because the person has no right to continue to commit that act and the one who doesn't wish it to continue because they're being harmed by it has a right to put that act down by whatever amount of force is necessary to put it down, up to and including deadly force. So I had a couple of quotes by Samuel Adams that I read last week, and I want to repeat one of them and break it down a little bit more, and then we're going to go to the phones. Samuel Adams, of course, is who I quoted for this year's Free Your Mind 2 conference. 
Uh, I'm sorry, next year, technically. You know, it's going to be 2012 in uh, about a week, a week and two days. This year flew by. It does really seem that time is uh, accelerating. But uh, the quote that I put as the tagline for the Free Your Mind conference next year was by Samuel Adams, and he said that the natural liberty of man is to be free from any superior power on earth and not to be under the will or legislative authority of man, but only to have the law of nature for his rule. So this expresses anarchy perfectly. There's no superior power over man on the earth. A subset of man does not constitute a superior power, some supernatural entity that has holds sway over, over man and that man has some sort of obligation to obey. The natural liberty of man is not to be under the will or legislative authority of man, but only to have the law of nature for his rule. Again, no rulers, no masters, but it doesn't mean no rules. It means you will still have the law of nature for your rule. You will still be ruled by that force. And it's that those boundary conditions called the laws of nature, cosmic spiritual law, which ultimately governs the conduct of our behavior, the consequences of our behavior. Is there, as boundary conditions in the universe, they, it exists. We are bound by it as long as we are in the universe. This is, what, this is the ultimate lesson that needs to be learned. If we're ever going to have a chance at real freedom. And people will say, well, it's not real freedom if you can't break that without consequence. Wrong. Wrong. It is real freedom. Because you, no one has the freedom inherently to conduct violence against someone else. And that's really all natural law, the parameters of natural law are saying. You don't have a right to commit violence. You don't have a right to commit wrongdoing. You only have rights to enact that which is one of your rights. That's why it's called a right. You have a right to do that which is right, not to do that which is wrong. Otherwise, it would be called a wrong. You don't have wrongs. Wrongs are done to you or by you. You have rights, which means there are actions that are under your control that you can do that don't cause harm. And that's called a right. And this is what people need to understand, quite simply. The distinction, the objective difference, definitive and objective meaning it's not open to interpretation, it's not open to a like or a dislike or a whim or a preference. It exists inherently in nature. A right exists inherently in nature. A right exists inherently in nature. By definition, it is an action that does not cause harm to another being, period. That's it. If you are coming with coercive force that's causing harm, that's usurping rights, and you have no right to do it. Samuel Adams, another quote I want to break down is, 
he said, quote, the liberties of our country, the freedoms of our civil constitution are worth defending at all hazards. Again, the right to defend freedom. It is our duty to defend them against all attacks. We have received them as a fair inheritance from our worthy ancestors. They purchased them for us with toil and danger and expense of treasure and blood. It will bring a mark of everlasting infamy on the present generation, enlightened as it is, if we should suffer them to be wrested from us by violence without a struggle. By violence without a struggle. Or to be cheated out of them by the artifices of designing men. Manipulation, trickery. That's what artifice means. And that's what we're allowing to happen through emotional mind control, heart control, as I call it, whipping people's emotions up into a frenzy as a result of a chaotic event, and then jumping in and taking advantage of that situation by telling them the only way you can solve this problem and be safe is to give up your rights. And that's what Adams here is calling being cheated out of our rights by the artifices of designing men. And it will bring a mark of everlasting infamy upon this generation should we allow that to occur. The founders of this country did their best to make sure that wouldn't occur. By telling people about their inherent right for self-defense and putting it down in a document that would hopefully get people's attention to look at what they meant by it, study it deeper, and understand it in a deeper way. And unfortunately, again, you have idiots out there, idiots out there. I'm not going to be nice about it. If you don't understand that the right to own, keep, and bear, and use arms of any kind is your inherent natural right to defend yourself, you're an idiot. I don't need to be nice about it. I don't want to be nice about it. There's no, there's, there, you shouldn't be nice about this to people. How about that? How about we go that far and say, anybody who thinks that shouldn't be treated nicely. You don't deserve to be treated nicely because you are advocating violence. You are advocating that someone else may come and take away my right to defend myself. And again, yes, I'm angry about it. If you're a new age idiot who thinks that there should never be a time to get angry about anything, please turn the show off. And go listen to some guru chanting or meditating in some ashram somewhere. And go wait for the, the modern day Nazis and the modern day communists to come and take your weapons away from you. Or just take your rights if you don't have weapons. But if that's your definition of what you should do, then I say you're self-loathing. You ultimately hate yourself at some level. That's why this is all taking place anyway, folks. Let's just get right down to it and be honest about it. The reason all of this problem that humanity is going through right now is hum humanity doesn't have enough self-love. Ultimately, people hate themselves. We have so much self-loathing. And people say, oh, no, that's not it. People are too much in ego. Yeah, well, being rooted in the ego is self-loathing, ultimately. If you don't understand the true self, if you haven't expanded your awareness to understand the true self, you ultimately hate yourself. 
You can't possibly love yourself because that expanded awareness is true self-love and true self-respect. It's taking another look at who you really are as opposed to who you think you are or been told that you are from the day you popped out of the womb. The people who will sit and take punishment and abuse and not do anything in the physical domain ultimately are self-loathing individuals who will not stand up for their rights. And you know what? Historically, that's what most people are. Because the state constantly teaches people, you're less than, you're less than. There's all this stuff that's greater than you. You're so less than this. You're so less than that. You're less than us. We have a right to control you. You have the moral obligation to obey us. You're little. You're powerless. You're small. They keep hammering and reinforcing these notions when the reality is we are everything. We are ultimately all-powerful. When we stand up, stand in truth, stand in righteousness, say no to violence, say no to evil, and exercise our rights, then nothing can stop us. The full force of the universe is behind us, is at our back. Be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid, as Jack Blood says. Those forces inherent in the universe will have our back if we are bold and stand in truth and stand in right. And this is what Samuel Adams was trying to impress upon people. Our inherent rights are worth defending in the physical domain with physical force if necessary when violence is being done. And if we should suffer them to be wrested from us, to be taken away from us by violence without a struggle, that is a mark of everlasting infamy. This was a person who was actually enlightened. He understood the spiritual is not different than the physical, is not separate. That's where the dualism comes from, in thinking that spirituality is somehow operating on some different plane or domain than the physical. This is the spiritual domain, ladies and gentlemen. You're in the spiritual domain. This is a holographic construct, in case you haven't figured that out, or you're not up to speed on modern uh, quantum physics. They have proven it. Not, not put forward a theory or a notion. It is proven experimentally in carefully controlled conditions. There is no solidity to physical matter. You're existing in a spiritual quantum hologram that is a unified field of energy that reacts to the consciousness that we are actually generating, that is expressing through us and then moving out into the field of energy and expressing as the physical events that take place around us in our society. That's true. It's not a theory. So the, a lot of the founders of this country were simply theists. They believed in a spiritual reality, but they didn't place any importance. They weren't, they didn't place the spiritual in uh, superiority to the physical, nor did they, nor were they materialists. They didn't place materialism in superiority to the spiritual. They understood that there needed to be these two 
seemingly opposite or seemingly um, uh, polar polarized domains were in fact one and the same. And they brought them together. That's why they understood to allow your rights to be usurped and taken at, at the point of at the threat of physical violence or the con conducting of physical violence is really an insult to the soul. It's an insult to the spirit. Because what happens here is the expression of spirit, of the spiritual domain, quote unquote, if you will. Again, these domains are not separate. They are one and the same. He understood the difference between force and violence. Force, as we've defined it, the capacity to do work or cause physical change. Violence is the immoral usage or the abuse of physical power. And it, it is when it is used to coerce or compel someone to do something they don't wish to be done or to do, to be done to them or to do. So violence is the initiation of coercive action. You're taking free will away. It's theft. Again, all forms of wrong are ultimately theft. You're taking something that doesn't belong to you, someone else's rights to act as they will so long as they are harming no one else. Violence is always in opposition to morality. Always in opposition to natural law. It involves the violation of other, others' rights all the time. And no one ever possesses a right to conduct violence. But if violence is conducted without right, as it always is, without right, inherently there exists a right to defend oneself against that action. We always have a right to respond to violence with defensive use of force. Always. That is always present. It is inherent in nature and it can never be taken away by man. Force is always an action that exists in harmony with natural law. Because you're not violating the rights of others. You're responding to an action which has already violated your rights. Therefore, to put that action down through physical force, you're not violating the other person's right to remain unharmed. They've just forfeited it by taking the violent action. So let's just look at a simple example of theft. Someone on the street, we're walking in open territory, turns to me with a, with a gun or a knife and says, give me your property. Doesn't matter what it is. Give me your shoes, your shirt, your coat, your wallet, your handbag. It doesn't make a difference if it happens to be a, a female walking down the street with her purse, okay? The person who is initiating this violent action has no right to do it. No one has any right to do that. That's their property, they're using it, and you don't have any right to it. You have no claim of ownership on that. And yet you're telling them, either give it to me or I'm threatening you with physical force, with physical violence, I'm sorry. I'm threatening you with violence. I'm going to conduct violence if you don't do what I say. That's coercion of the will. Coercive action and threat has been initiated. That is violence. That person has just, in doing that behavior, forfeited their inherent right to remain unharmed. They have a right to remain unharmed, but 
not when they're conducting violence. Then someone else's inherent right to self-defense trumps their inherent right to remain unharmed. The person who's on the receiving end of the violence has an inherent right to put the violence down so that they may remain unharmed. So if, let's say, for example, the woman who's been accosted and the person who's demanded their purse, okay, she takes out a pistol, shoots the person right in the head, and they're dead. It's hard for people to understand, but that was a right action. She possessed the right to do it, and she acted. Did it kill someone? Yes, it did. Did she have the right to kill that person? Yes, she did. And again, this is so antithetical to the brainwashing of the New Age movement that they want to convince you there's never a time that you can ever rightly exercise force. Because they. this is a controlled opposition movement, ladies and gentlemen, the New Age movement to try to get people to stand down and not stand in truth and stand in right and defend their rights. That's what it is. That's why it's out there so prevalently. And they'll never talk about this. They'll never talk about it. Because they're frauds. That's why. Frauds. Who want to believe that the world is all peaceful and harmonious and ascending to a higher level of, of consciousness. Yeah, in unimaginably molasses slow rate maybe because some people are waking up to the real truth, not the new age bullshit that's out there. That somehow you don't have a right to defend yourself against violence uh, just because, or, or that you don't have a right to defend yourself against violence just because it's calling itself government. Your master. But they'll never talk about that, No. We need to understand that when violence is conducted against us, we have a right to defend ourselves with force up to and including the deadly use of force. When a government comes to take your rights through violence, you have an inherent right to defend your freedom against that aggression, against that aggression of violence with deadly force if required. I want to point people to a video that was made by Larkin Rose after this horrific uh, shooting in Connecticut. And I don't want to take anything away from the suffering of these family members. It is real. It should be respected. Everything I'm talking about, you know, if we really understood this, stuff like this could be averted, actually. If we really understand this right. They're in basically victim disarmament zones. You're, you're, you're making a victim powerless. You're turning everybody into a powerless victim. And these lunatic psychopaths on psychotropics and SSRI drugs, they know this. Just because they don't have emotions doesn't mean they don't have any logical capabilities. Believe me, their logic is probably more enhanced because their emotions are so numbed out. 
they're thinking only with the left side of the brain. So they're doing calculations like a robot, like a computer, and saying, well, this, this zone has absolutely no guns in it. <laughs> Better my chances of putting more holes in people before I get put down. That's exactly the way these lunatics, psychopaths are thinking. Their emotions are totally suppressed and wrapped up by the SSRI demon drugs that they're taking. They don't care. But they know where to go to, to conduct the, the, the biggest kill zone before they get stopped. Yeah, they know, they know exactly how to do that. Because that's exactly what gun control does. But I, I want to uh, tell people, I'll post it with the podcast, the video. Check out Larkin Rose's new video on YouTube. Type in, uh, Gun Control is Gun Violence by Larkin Rose. And he makes the perfect point. When somebody is enacting gun control, they are enacting violence. They are coming to someone's property. If someone doesn't want to give up their property, their weapon, okay, because of some arbitrary dictate passed by a tyrannical government, they don't want to give up their battle rifle if a gun control law against a battle rifle is passed. And they're saying, no, you have no right to take this from me. I'm standing within my right to own this and defend myself with it if necessary when tyrants come for my freedom. And they're telling them, we're going to send people with guns to your property to take your property or to put you in a cage if you resist us. Gun control is, by definition, gun violence. All the people who are think that they're doing such wonderful, good work by advocating gun control are advocating more violence in the world. Things that people don't have a right to do. And all the idiot police that actually believe they have a right to do this to any person are going out and conducting violence because they've been told they're allowed to do it. Oh, you're allowed to conduct this violence. You can usurp other people's rights. You have rights that other people don't have. You can go and take people's property. And rights away from them. The nerve. The unmitigated gall. That you actually believe your own bullshit. Finally, before we go to the phones, I want to read one more quote by Samuel Adams. He said, it is the greatest absurdity to suppose it in the power of one or any number of men. At entering into society to renounce their essential natural rights or the means of preserving those rights. Okay. When the grand end of civil government from the very nature of its institution is for the support protection and defense of those very rights. I happen to sort of disagree with them on that. I don't believe that the institution of government is for that purpose. I think it's for control, but he says, the principle of which, as is before observed, are life, liberty, and property. If men through fear, fraud, or mistake should in terms renounce or give up an essential natural right, the eternal law of reason and the grand end of society would absolutely vacate such a renunciation. Let me try to explain, you know, in fewer words or in less confusing terms, again, the, the, the colloquial English used at the time is much different than the way we speak today. So I'll try to clarify what he is saying is it is an absurdity to think 
that if someone says, I'm going to give up a natural right, that that is somehow valid. That is never valid. It is automatically invalidated by common sense is what he is saying. No one can say, can claim, I'm giving up this right. You can only make the claim in words, but you can't actually do it in nature, in reality. You are stuck with your rights, folks. Just like you're stuck with natural law, you're also stuck with your rights. You have a right because it's inherent to the actual universe you live in. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, please call in, write to me, let me know if you have a method of getting out of this physical universe, by all means, please enlighten us. Okay, if you know the way to leave the physical universe where laws of nature no longer apply, I would love to hear about it. But until you do, this is where you're at, so be here now and deal with the situation at hand. Natural law exists. Inherent to it is right and wrong. Therefore, you always have your rights and you can never renunciate them to someone else. You can make the claim that you're doing it, but in point of fact, natural reality, you are not doing that. That's what he's basically saying. So he says, if men through fear, fraud, or mistake should in terms over time, that means renounce or give up their essential natural rights, the eternal laws of reason vacate that renunciation. They mean that means it invalidates it completely. It invalidates that person's renunciation of their rights. And he concludes it by saying, the right of freedom being the gift of God Almighty, it is not in the power of man to alienate this gift and voluntarily become a slave. Let me just read that last sentence again. The right of freedom being the gift of God Almighty, it is not in the power of man to alienate this gift and voluntarily become a slave. You do not have the right to choose slavery because slavery is based on violence. And when you advocate violence, when you are saying, I feel it is okay for violence to continue, that is not one of your rights. You do not have a right to be the advocate of violence. You are harming other people by advocating that their freedom be usurped and that their rights be taken away from them. In the very act of advocating that violence, the master-slave relationship. So all statism, no one has a right to advocate for government. It doesn't exist in nature. So, you know, in this way, is Adams even contradicting something that he said earlier in the statement? Yes, because he said that the grand end of civil government from the nature of its institution is for the support, protection, and defense of those rights. And I believe he believed that. But when you really get down to it, whenever you're instituting a government, you're saying, Here's where rights exist for these group of people that don't exist for the totality of, of people. And that's not a right. You're trying to create something that doesn't exist in nature. You're trying to make a right, which is called justification. So while Adams was very enlightened, I don't think he was fully enlightened. Again, until we're fully enlightened, 
we're going to continue to be conquered until we are fully enlightened as to our rights and fully enlightened to the non-aggression principle. We are going to be conquered. We are going to be enslaved. And ultimately, who's doing it? We are, by our ignorance, through our lack of understanding of moral right and wrong, definitively and objectively, and through our lack of understanding of our inherent rights, we are going to enslave ourselves. So I think it's a powerful quote that deserved being gone over again, re-emphasized. What I want to do until the end of the show is start going to the phones and getting people's take on everything that we've covered up to this point in the section where I've been talking about the inherent right to use force to defend oneself from violence. And your comments are completely open on that topic. That's what I want to talk about. I want that topic to be discussed when we go to the phones. Next week, I want people, during the week you have a homework assignment for what on earth is happening, okay? If you choose to accept it, of course it's voluntary and you will not be penalized for not doing your homework. But if you choose to do this homework assignment, here it is. Take two slips of paper on one, write down the term, the phrase, no masters, no rulers, all in big capital letters, no masters, no rulers, okay? Write it down very clearly in print, big capital letters, print it out if you want, and tell people who you feel are not very enlightened about this so you don't, don't get skewed results because, if let's face it, if people are enlightened, they're going to get the right answer. But, you know, use the average population. Maybe go in the center of your town as people walk by, or even better yet, how about a college location? A college or a university, oh, that would be great. We'd get such great answers there, wouldn't we? The, the indoctrinated, uh, brainwashed youth of this country. Hand them the piece of paper and tell them, give them a pen on the back, write the first word, single word that comes to your mind. Let them do that, take the paper back. And you don't even have to do it with the same person. You can then go to another person and just give them the other slip of paper, okay? So maybe they don't put two, to, two and two together, so to speak. Just get their gut reaction in a controlled way you know, in a controlled circumstance, like a, you know, a, a, a laboratory control, so to speak. Okay. Hand them the second paper with the word anarchy on it, written in all big capital letters, printed, not handwritten. Try to print the words if you can, or, you know, write them, ha print handwritten, but in print style. So they're very clear and easy to see and understand, and you don't have to explain anything. And then tell them, First word, one word has to be put on the back. First word that comes into your mind. That's how word association goes. So you're getting their gut intuitive reaction to the word. And you'll see that I'm, I was correct about what the results you will get. And uh, next week, I want to take calls on this social experiment. Okay? And we'll see what your results were. You, know, you can give me total numbers. We can calculate a percentage maybe at the end of the show. So that'll come up. Uh, we'll do that next week on what on earth is happening. Let's go to the phones for now and get people's take on uh, the section, which is a solution. I, I said we'd be continuing to cover solutions. This is a solution, ladies and gentlemen. This understanding will go a great way toward putting the solution into effect in the world. Okay? 
the, the solution to getting out of human slavery. And I consider this understanding one of the great solutions. Deeply understanding your inherent right to defend yourself against violence with physical force is a solution in and of itself. So anything that's been covered on this solution section or anything new that anyone, anyone wants to add is up for grabs in this call segment. Let's go to the phones. Ivan from Phoenix, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hello, Mark. Okay. Ivan, how are you? All right. I'm coming in clear. Uh, there's a little bit of background noise. If you could just speak a little bit louder into the phone, I think we'll be okay. Okay, then I got a headset on. Okay, um, well, you know what? This is your show today. I talked about this experiment here at work, and I uh, out with um, about five people real quick. No masters, no leaders. I got out of five people, I got two that freedom, one that said independent. Okay, which is essentially the same thing. I mean, you know, true freedom is independence. It's it, it's it's a splitting of hairs, but uh, I would accept it as basically the same uh, meaning. So uh, they all they all responded by saying that no masters, no rulers meant freedom. Okay. What about I chaos? One that said equal. One that said equal. Okay. And then one did not know. One kind of was like, oh, I don't know. What, and okay. Okay. Equality. Yeah, I, that's, that's, an, that's a very interesting because, yes, no one would have the right to rule over others. So all would be equal under natural law. Okay, so uh, great answers that came back from those people on that term. What about the term chaos? Have you done that yet? No, no. Okay. You just brought that up here at the end, so great. I think I'm sorry, not the word chaos, the word anarchy, which, of course, many people are going to write chaos. You know what I meant, though. But, uh, yeah, uh, give us a call back next week and, and continue uh, with that social experiment. Let us know what the results were, and we'll, we'll analyze the results on the air. Do you have anything yeah, else for us? Oh, yeah. I remember uh, when I called in at the end, I thought of the name. Uh, I brought that up on watching the videos. I can see how um, collective Ivan, you're you're really breaking up on me now, and I'm I'm uh, sorry to say that the last part was really garbled. I could kind of hear you when you were talking about the uh, social experiment on paper, but. Uh, the last part of it kind of uh, went uh, downhill from there because of the background noise. So I'm going to uh, let you go, and if you can call in a, a better location before the show ends, I'll put you right through. So, um, But call, call me back next week if you can get into a somewhat quiet area and let me know the result of uh, that experiment. Here we go. Let's take another call here on what on earth is happening. Uh, caller from the 541 area code. You're live on what on earth is happening. Welcome. Hey, what's up? This is L. Hey, L. How are you? Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, so I'm doing your your experiment right now. I've got these two pieces of uh, papers, this card here, and uh, I'm actually having a really hard time because I actually know the difference between the two. Sure. And try as I might, I can still look at the anarchy card and 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 think that the two are totally opposed. Uh, you know, one is completely chaotic and 
destructive. Of course, that's my social conditioning talking, I'm sure. It's amazing how long if someone says the same thing to us that we will gravitate toward just accepting that that's what it means and believe it with, uh, you know, absolutely no truth to back that up uh, and no understanding of where that word actually came from, how it was derived in the English language from its etymological roots. And when people will say, well, you can't uh, uh, term, uh, you can't uh, define a word based on its etymology, you absolutely can. That's what the makers, the originators of the word, use those etymological roots to put the word together because they had a very specific and non-ambiguous meaning in mind for the word, which is why they derived it or made it from, derive means to make from, the uh, ancient languages that it comes from. It absolutely is where the meaning of the word comes from, and it is a, a, a very accurate way to pinpoint a definition or an original intent meaning of a word versus the um, completely um, obfuscated connotation that people believe it means today. So we have to be clear about the definition of a word versus the connotation that the word has come to represent erroneously in modern colloquial English. Yeah, I'm thinking about the word anarchy right now, and I'm trying to source back as far as I can go to where I would think, where, where I'm thinking my conditioning would come from, and I'm thinking something along the lines of being eight years old, watching CNN, and right. seeing the basically the end of the Cold War farce on TV, and... Uh, you know, I, some kind of association with some kind of communism or, or red scare. Right. Or something. See, I don't it's know. Always, something that def- you're exactly something right. That definitely it's, is going to turn you off to the, yes, to it's the reality always of truth. Association through imagery is what solidifies words, the, the context or the connotation of words in our mind. So whenever the word anarchy is used by the media, they're always going to show scenes of violence and unrest and tell you that this is the equivalent because that's what their masters want associated in people's minds. They want, when you hear with your ears, the vibratory uh, uh, essence, the the vibration that the word anarchy makes in the mind, they want the imagery to come up just like it's being pulled from a computer drive when you press a key on a keyboard. You're opening a file. They want all the imagery that they have associated with this obfuscation mind control technique with that word to come into your mind v- rather than the actual definitive meaning or the definition of the word, which is no masters, no rulers. Yep, worked on me. No problem. And I... And I- claim to know better so well i'll tell you what um if you want to continue that experiment uh do so and call me back next week and i'll, I'll try to remember that uh you came in from the 541 area code and i'll put you through so um if you want to do that with more people uh you know get, get a few results and w- w- like i said we'll analyze the results on the air and this will kind of give us an idea of where humanity is really at in understanding you know just through the power of words i've said from day one the world the world is controlled through words if we don't understand the words we are speaking we are going to go deeper and deeper into bondage because that's how it works through obfuscation if we think verbally if our 
thinking structure, so to speak, is based upon our words, our word structure. And we are, are ascribing definitions of meaning based upon words. If they can change those definitions to suit their agenda and to suit their goals, we are totally controlled. And that is what the manipulators of language have done. So, El, thank you so much for the call. And if you uh, want to do so, uh, continue that experiment and give me a call back next week and let me know uh, your results, okay? Thanks a lot, Mark. Love the message. You got it. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great. Excellent call. All right. Let's go to another caller. Caller from the 661 area code. You are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hello, caller. Hello. Right there? Yes. Hi, Mark. It's Bob from Cincinnati. Bob, my friend. Great to hear from you. How, are, how have you been doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing well. How about you and Barb, Mark? Good. We're hanging in there. Excellent. Um, Mark, am I coming in okay? Yes, you are. Perfectly. The great work as defined by you tonight, truth, love, freedom. Uh, you are reaching a crescendo of the what on earth is happening cosmology. After two and a half years of starting this radio show, you have taken us to a giant step in consciousness by defining truth and sovereignty tonight as, as corollary to each other. Powerful, my friend. Thank you, Bob. I, I, I want to make a slide with like, you know, the, the uh, archetypal image of the tree of knowledge, you know, the tree of life on it. And, you know, incorporate this in a meaningful way. You know, like say something to the, uh, to the effect, maybe I'll add it to this uh, podcast or something, or maybe next week. Um, freedom is the fruit of the tree of love whose roots are truth. So if you picture that in your mind, the roots of the tree are truth itself. And from there, it grows to the tree, which is the expression of consciousness and love. And then the fruit that is born of that tree of love is freedom. That's how we have to envision that, you know, um, allegorically through symbolism, you know, symbolically. I think maybe I'll make a, a slide with that phrase on it. I think it's just a great phrase. Indeed. And Mark, uh, I'll, I'll state quickly, congratulations on scoring Fritz Springmeier an, an uh, archetypal image in the world of conspiracy slash uh, alternative research. He's going Powerful, to be, Mark. Thank you. Bob, he's going to be really great. He's someone I'm really looking forward to hearing speak because he's been doing this uh, longer than most of us, much longer, and he's uh, brought so much to the forefront about what uh, takes place in the occult, in the worlds of the dark occult. So um, uh, we're, we're really thrilled to have him. Uh, we're honored to have him come and speak and participate in the Free Your Mind 2 conference. Uh, Bob, I know you're going to be there and uh, uh, really looking forward to it. And uh, thanks so much for the uh, great points you've called in with. And uh, we have to get together, Bob, and talk about uh, the possibility of uh, another appearance on um, uh, Occult Empire uh, because I'd really like to get into uh, Philemic philosophy and uh, uh, some of Crowley's writings with you. We briefly talked about it before, but I think now would be a, a perfect timing um, so maybe uh, we could set that up for uh, early next month after the holiday season is over and we could do a January occult empire on uh, uh, Crowley and Thalema. What do you think? It, it's set then. There it is. Thank you again for your voice, Mark. Good night, sir.
Bob, thanks so much. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Okay. Well, we don't have any more callers on the line uh, right now. If anyone uh, wants to call in, the toll-free number to join us. We have about 15 minutes left in the show. Um, 866-841-1065. Once again, toll-free. Uh, the toll-free number to join us here on What on Earth is Happening is 866-841-1065. We're talking about the inherent right to defend oneself against violence through physical force if necessary and why it is so important to maintain that right and never have it be usurped or taken away, attempted to be taken away. Um, so uh, in the remainder of the time that we have, I'll just basically go over a few things regarding the impossibility of forfeiting one's rights. Again, I think this is so important to understand because you'll hear a lot of people say, well, if somebody wants to be a slave, that's their right. I hear this all the time. That somehow people have a right to give up their rights and voluntarily be a slave. And I want to make sure people understand in no uncertain terms that that is not a right. That no one inherently possesses that right. When someone says, I accept slavery, they are committing a wrongdoing under moral law. It is not one of their rights to say, or to advocate slavery, that I'm okay with slavery, that I'm okay with being a slave, that I'm okay with there being slave owners and slaves. That's not one of your rights. See, you can look at it like this. Let's take a look at the slavery period, the horrific you know, times of slavery that we had here in America. And not that we don't still have slavery, but we had physical, you know, in-your-face slavery, Okay during the Civil War period and before. Did anyone have a right to say, this is okay, this can continue. If a slave tries to escape, I'm going to harm them and get them back to their master as soon as possible. It, was that within their rights ever? Well, it was legal. You know, it was, a le you know, it was actually legal if you didn't capture a slave if you knew that they were a slave and bring them back to their master or keep them until their master came to claim them because they were looked at as property. Imagine that. Just imagine that. You, the law of man was saying to you, if we know that you are helping a slave to be free, we'll do violence against you. They were telling people, if you do right by allowing a being, a human being, to be a free being, we will come and do violence to you. Of course, that right doesn't exist, but moreover, the right to even advocate that it was right to do this to people doesn't exist. And people get offended when you tell them it is it is a historically known fact that many slaves did not want their freedom, were okay with the situation. 
They didn't want to go and be free and, and live in society and make their own way, especially after they were released because it, it meant a big shakeup in their lives and it meant, you know, they had to take more personal responsibility and they weren't being kept in the way that they were, regardless of the violence that was used. And again, people can twist my words any way that they want to try to twist them. That is the case. Many slaves were physical slaves kept during the Civil War period and before. When released, did not want to be free. Of course, many, many of them did and absolutely, you know, embraced freedom. I'm not trying to tell you all of them were like that, but there were many slaves kept as slaves that were okay with the situation and wanted it to continue. And again, that's what we're seeing today. We have worldwide human slavery. It may be a softer form of slavery. It's the threat of violence constantly being done to us. But in many ways, we're being held in debt slavery and our rights are usurped on a con continual basis. Our property is constantly taken from us under threat of force, threat of violence, called taxation, property taxes, which is an oxymoron. It's a complete contradiction in terms. It's an, a, 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 those terms are totally antitheses of each other. And yet people believe that they can somehow exist, you know, in, in coexistence with each other. We have slaves today that don't that are okay with slavery. Everybody advocating for the state and advocating for the continuation of any form of taxes, any form of property tax, you know, any form of drug uh, laws of telling you what you can and can't put into your body. Every single person who advocates any of this ideology. Is, is basically saying, I'm okay with slavery, and I feel that it should continue. Because every one of those things I just mentioned are forms of slavery. Taxation is slavery. Drug laws are, are slavery. Property tax is slavery. It's telling you you may not own property outright. For you to keep the usage or stewardship of this land or property, you're going to have to pay an extortion fee. Otherwise, we'll come with violence and put you off of it. And I can't even fathom how anybody can see it any other way, that they're actually that brainwashed that they can believe that there is such a thing and it's morally okay to institute a property tax, regardless of what you're going to claim you're going to do with the confiscated money that was taken under threat of violence. They can't make the, the jump in basic human logic that that was done under threat of violence or done under direct violence. It's the same idiots who can't understand how gun control is violence. You're coming and saying, I'm going to take property from somebody that's used to defend yourself against violence. And I'm going to leave you victimless. And if you don't obey me, I'm going to take your property anyway and put you in a cage. That's violence. <laughs> I mean, plain and simply, that's violence. Gun control is violence. Taxation is violence. Statism is violence. It's slavery. What a novel idea that I'm advocating we not have slavery. What a crazy idea that I'm advocating we not have violence. And that we deal violence as it is, something that no one has a right to conduct and put it down if we have to. We can ask them. We can even ask them multiple times. I'm okay with using our words first. I think it's abundantly clear that many people are using their words and telling people I'm not okay with violence and slavery. 
meaning you're giving them a chance to stop. You're saying, stop doing this. I've been telling people from day one, I don't advocate violence. I don't advocate slavery. I want people to stop conducting these practices. If you don't stop conducting these practices against me or other people who recognize them as violence, I feel every person who recognizes it as violence has a right to defend themselves and defend their rights and defend their property against these usurpations and against these violent actions with force, with deadly force. And that's the reason the, that right exists in nature and it's the reason that gun ownership exists and should be continued to, to exist and be defended. And, you know, that's the answer you people should give when they're asked, what do you need a battle rifle in your home for? What do you need a, a, a semi-auto in your home for? To defend my freedom against tyranny. That's what I need it for because the government has it and they're tyrants and slave masters. That's what they claim to be. Whether they say that openly or not, that's what they are. Against people who claim authority over me when I have harmed none. That's what I need a battle rifle for. That's what you need a battle rifle for. Whether you understand it or not. And again, it's slave think to not even understand that, you know, I, I want to start using that term. All the people who advocate for the violence of the state, it's slave think, you know, you know, we have Orwellian double think and new speak, but let's call it what it really is. Slave think. Is that harsh? Is that a harsh thing to say? Yeah, it's harsh. Is it true? Yes, it's true too. See, I, I, I'm not interested in being non-caustic. Caustic means it, it's dissolving. It's breaking something down. It's acidic. It's vitriolic. There's another term in alchemy, vitriol. Which, if you really break it down in the, the Latin, it means visit the interior of the earth and by purification, you will find the hidden stone or rectification by uprighting and purifying the phrase vitriol vitriol means vicious speech caustic acidic speech I'm very vitriolic and I have no intentions of changing that I hear people say I'm patient and uh, have a laid back approach I'm, I'm surprised to hear that I feel the emotion in my voice when I talk about topics like this. I expect that many people feel them as well. But I guess because I don't outright start screaming or yelling, I will raise my voice occasionally. But I guess because I don't, you know, raise my voice to the level of someone like Alex Jones or someone like that, uh, people tend to think I have a more laid back approach. But, you know, to, to, to wrap this all up, folks, Speaking of Alex Jones, one of the best things I ever heard on that show was a gentleman who called in with a, a response to the question, why do you need, he, he had 50 semi-autos, owned them, and they call that an arsenal, okay? And they, when, when, when he came under threat of the state, they said, why do you need 50 battle rifles in your home? And he gave the greatest answer I've ever heard, folks. He said to hand out 49. 
And I'll leave on that note. Because that's all the time we have on this edition of What on Earth is Happening. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, there's only two mistakes you can make on the path to truth. Not starting and not going all the way. We'll see you here next week.